Good morning. So good to see each of you today and can't help but to be reminded of the psalmist. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is such a gift and God has given us a beautiful gift today. And I'm glad that you have chosen to be here in celebration of who God is in His goodness and in His wonder and also to remember His Son Christ who loves us so much. So thank you for being here. We have visitors and we're delighted to see you and uh, would love to see you back at any opportunity. Uh, Know that the Lindsley Avenue Church may be small in stature, but we're big in heart. And so uh, it's a loving church and so thank you for being here. Today we're going to talk about warfare may seem like a bit of a strange thing for a Christian minister, and I have to admit up front, I'm no expert at war or anything like that, but there is a spiritual component to that. And so our lesson text is Ephesians chapter 6, 10 and following, where we're going to be looking at that and looking at this spiritual cosmic struggle that's happening around us and happening within us. And first, I want to start out by telling you about an ancient philosopher, Chinese philosopher, by the name of Sun Tzu. Now, he wrote a book about 2,500 years ago called The Art of War. And Sun Tzu was this formidable character. In fact, he was known for intense cruelty sometimes. He got promoted because he killed some of the king's concubines right in front of him. But then he could be generous. And he could be smart and wise. And he was this interesting contradiction in many ways. But he wrote this book called The Art of War. And he was a military strategist. And in fact, many commanders, many generals, many commanders have looked back to this book to find ways at better operating the theater of war. And there's interesting insights to war. So through this sermon, you may hear some some quotes from Sun Tzu. But the first one that I want you to know, and this is probably the most important one, that has to do with the cosmic struggle that we all encounter is is this. He said this, and I want you to listen to it very carefully because it's from here that we spring forth. He said this about war. All war is based on deception. Now let that sink in for a minute. All war is based on on deception. Now when you think about the struggle that's within this world, and when you think about the war that's going on for the soul of this world, and the soul of your neighbor, and the soul of even yourself, the war is one of deception and truth. And you see, here's the problem, is that, guess what? Someone declared war on humanity and you a long time ago. In fact, war was declared on you before you were even born. Someone wants your soul. 
Someone wants you to live in a way that is oppositional to the truth of who God is, to the character of God, to the goodness of God, to the love of God. It's Jesus said, You are of your father, the devil, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So the greatest battle in this age and in this world is one of lies and one of truth. That's what the war is all about. And guess what? Our enemy is a master of deception and he's been doing it longer than any of us. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. He comes to us looking pretty good. And we always look at the devil ham. You look on the little logo and there's a little man with the the red horns. But I can assure you the devil don't look like that. When Jesus encountered the devil in his ministry and in his own 12 disciples, it was Peter. Satan comes to us as an angel of light. And the Bible says, Woe is unto them who turn Evil for good and good for evil and light for darkness and darkness for light and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Deception. And there is this battle for our soul and sometimes we can feel besieged by the evil that's around us when we turn on the news and when we see the horrific acts that are going on when people are shot up just because they work somewhere. Just because they're at a nightclub, or just because they're Jewish, or just because they're this or that. And it can seem that we are besieged and inundated by the evil that's around us. This happened in a real way for Elisha. The Syrian army had surrounded the city of Dothan, and the, and the king was after Elisha, because Elisha had the spirit and he was able to see what was on the king's mind and he didn't like someone knowing what his next move was. And the king surrounded the city of Dothan. And the servant of Elisha came and he said, look, we're surrounded. Look outside. There's chariots and horses all around. And Elisha said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant's looking at Elisha like he's crazy. Elisha prays to God that his eyes would be open. And he looked outside and he said, Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Because God was with him. We can't forget what John said, that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Not only is there that power that God has without, but there's that power within. So Ephesians 6 gives us an idea of how to defend ourselves against the evil. And Ephesians chapter 6 is the, the conclusion of Paul's beautiful letter to those at Ephesus. 
And it, and it says that he is an ambassador in chains. He's in jail writing this letter and he gives this picture of a soldier. And one of the things that two words I want you to look for in this text are the words able and the words stand. Those are two words that occur over and over again. And the first thing that we find out is that the source of our strength is not ourselves. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The first thing that we have to understand as Christians and as spiritual beings and as believers is that the power does not reside in me. The strength does not reside in me. And so this is paradoxical because here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to depend on Him. And the more that you depend on God, the stronger you are. Most of us are taught quite the opposite, aren't we? No, you need to be strong. You need to stand up and do it on your own. But when you're a person of faith, it's, it's not independence, it's dependence on God. Be strong in the power of His might. It says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. We can't forget what he told Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect. Where? In your weakness. It's in my weakness. It's in my dependence on God that I find the source of my strength. Not in my own resources. Because I go through those pretty quick. Because I can't love enough. I can't be patient enough. I can't be good enough. But if I depend on the strength of God, if I depend on His Word, if I depend on His church, if I depend on His Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden there's a strength there for my life. But He also tells us not only is the source of our strength the Lord, but He says to stand. In verse 11, look, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Sun Tzu said it like this, thus the expert in battle moves the enemy and is not moved by him. You see, if Satan gets us on the run, then we're really in trouble. And what God wants us to do is to stand for something. You remember that old saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything? And sadly, that's the case with so many people. They're tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine. Whatever comes out new, they're believing it. But to stand for something. And when I think about standing, the first thing that I think about is that you have to have balance. Don't you? If you don't have balance in your life, are you going to be able to stand? Also think about sobriety. If you're going to be able to stand up, you're going to have to be sober, right? The Bible says that concerning this balance in Acts chapter 20, 27, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. For me to stand in the way that I should, I need to know the whole counsel of God. I need to be balanced in my perception of the truth and understand that. And to be able to stand also, I need to be courageous 
It takes courage to stand for something. Sometimes it might mean losing your job. It's happened before. It might mean being ridiculed. It might mean people at church looking at you kind of funny. But you have to stand for something. Courage. G.K. Chesterton said this, Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of readiness to die. I also think about standing. I think about what happens to all of us. We fall. I don't know how many times you've fallen. But it says the righteous fall seven times and what happens? They get up. No matter how many times we fall, we need to get up and let Christ help us in that process. And also what I think about in standing firm is standing with those who can't stand on their own. To stand with those who are weak. To stand with those who are downtrodden. To stand with those who are hurting because they can't stand on their own. Standing. But he also talks about this spiritual battle in verse 12. And the words that he uses are very interesting because he uses this contrast of terms. Look, for we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. So this is spiritual. We're not out wrestling people. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with spiritual entities and spiritual principles and spiritual conflict. So if God's telling you to go hurt someone outside, that ain't God. It's something else. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Christians are not violent people. But it says, with principalities and powers against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts, wickedness in heavenly places. The battle is cosmic. But what word does he use in describing that fight? Wrestling. Has anybody ever wrestled anybody? I got a twin brother. And guess what? We wrestled a lot. And when you're wrestling, you're not shooting missiles over the sea. No, you're, you're eye to eye, aren't you? And the wrestle is very personal, isn't it? The fight is very personal. And the fight, the spiritual battle that happens in our lives is very intimate and personal. It's eye to eye with the conflict because the conflict is ultimately where? Within us. Because the battle of this life is for your heart's devotion. That's where it is. Sun Tzu said, begin by seizing something which your opponent holds dear and his will will be amenable to your will. How does he win? He takes things that we like and things that we want and he seizes them and then all of a sudden my will becomes amenable to his will because he's holding all the things that I want. He's holding all the things that I desire. And many times we hold on to so many things in this life that we're not able to fight anymore. There's a story about Alexander the Great. He was marching into Persia. And his men had been so successful in fighting so many different people that they had so much plunder. They had so many treasures. They had robbed everybody. And they were, they were marching to Persia with all kinds of material wealth. 
And guess what? They were tired. They're marching into battle carrying all kinds of stuff. And Alexander the Great got wise and said, Hey, I want you to burn it all. Get rid of it. And it says that the men became light and it grew wings when they let go of all that stuff. They were mad about it, but they were able to succeed in the battle because they weren't weighted down by so many things that they were holding on to. The battle becomes something in our hearts, the truth and falsehood. The Bible says that thy word is truth. John 17, 17. So the first battle is one for truth. The second one is of one of pride and arrogance. Pride and arrogance is something that distorts who we are in God's image. That we become proud. And we want our will over God's will. And then not only do we look at God for not who He is, that we start looking at other people and thinking less of them. And pride is an artificial perspective of oneself. The Bible says, humble yourselves before God and He will lift you up. That God gives grace to the humble, not to the proud. And pride is very dangerous. It insulates us from the truth. Because you can't see the truth because you already know the truth. Because you're prideful. So we have to be careful. There's also that battle of greed and avarice. We want to hold on to the material things. At, at what cost? I once heard one singer say it like this, that you can rob a man with a forty-five, or you can rob him with a fountain pen. Because of greed. Because of avarice. The Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Avarice and greed. All of a sudden now we have everything that we want, while there's other people that don't have anything that they need. That battle. There's also a battle that goes on within us of guilt. The best thing that the devil can do is make you feel as guilty as possible. That's what he's wanting you to do. Because guilt ultimately isn't from God, it's from the devil. And so what, sometimes we never forgive ourselves. And think about how that is in the eyes of God. That you have a court higher than His. If God has forgiven you, then you should accept that forgiveness and not live in a way that doesn't accept that. The Bible says, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. There's no higher court than God. Don't make one. What about suspicion? The battle of suspicion and trust. What happens in your relationships when suspicion begins to arise in those relationships? That can happen even with, the, with God. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but trusting in Him. There's also the, the spirit of doubt that can happen, the battle of doubt that can happen. And the Bible says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. If you have doubt, then pursue that doubt. Ask that question. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. There's an answer there. 
There's also the battle of depression and despondency, the paralysis that happens when our spirit is broken. But God promises that blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But Christ gives us an armor, it says. And it says in verse 13, to put on the whole armor of God. And so the challenge is, is to put it all on. To use all of it. How many of us would go into battle with half the armor on? But we can live in such a way where we're not utilizing all the armor of God. Sun Tzu said, invincibility lies in defense, the possibility of victory in the attack. We have to defend our spiritual lives. So the first thing that he says, he says, I'm going to give you a belt of truth to gird yourself. And for us, we're like, well, what's the point of a belt? Well, the belt, you, you think, is to hold up your pants. Remember, Mr. Miyagi said something that affected Danielson when he was a karate kid. He's like, what belt you got on? What, what's the belt for? He's like, it's to hold up your pants. But for the Roman soldier, it was a different thing. The Roman soldier wore a robe, a tunic. And so he would gird himself so that he would be free to be active and to be able to engage. And so the truth, the belt of truth, sets you free to be able to move and to be active And so you could walk and be able to do the things that you need to do. The breastplate of righteousness to protect the heart. The center of your being is your heart. What you care for. The seat of your soul. The adoration that you have. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Guard your hearts, for out of them flow the issues of life. If the devil has your heart, he's got you. Protect your heart. The feet shod, the protection for your feet... There's security in the gospel. There's firm standing in the gospel. There's also that shield of faith that's able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The helmet of salvation. Some people have the misconception about Christianity that we ask you to check your brains at the door. That's not the case. It says to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That God wants you to utilize your faculties, your mind, your reasoning, your ability to think to His glory. No one's asking you to check your mind at the door. But you may need to protect your mind from things outside the door. I liked how C.S. Lewis in his book, he said, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. This was a demon talking in his screw tape letters, it's funny how mortals always picture us putting things into their mind. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. See, there's certain truths that the devil doesn't want in your mind. And those can be all kinds of truths, whether they be moral or scientific. There's also the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, spoken of in verse That we have a weapon. We have to be careful with it. But it's one, if we hide the Word of God in our hearts, it says, I may not sin against thee. To defend against the devil. Every time Jesus was tempted of the devil, He said three words. It is written. The Word of God helps us to defend ourselves against temptation. 
But he also talks about prayer in verse 18. Listen to how he describes it. Praying always, always with all prayer. There's different ways of praying. There's different types of prayer. With all supplication, praying to God is a part of that dependence and that ability to defend ourselves. Last quote I want to leave to you today. Thank you for being patient and listening to me. It's the last one from Sun Tzu, who says this, The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. You know, what's, sounds good. But the, my point this morning is, is that some of us have been subdued without fighting. There's many people in this world who have quit fighting that fight. Because it is tough. It is a battle. And it seems sometimes that it's insurmountable, the forces that are against us. But don't let Him subdue you without even trying. Without even fighting. My challenge to you today is to be strong in the power of His might. My challenge to you today is to stand in the truth of who God is, and to withstand Him with the provisions and the gifts that He's given us. And one of those gifts is being together right now and to being able to pray for one another. The battle will rage on, but God has given us every gift and every provision to subdue the enemy. Love this week. Speak the truth this week. Give this week. That's what it means to be a soldier of Christ. If you're not a Christian this morning, we're praying for you. We want you to come to a knowledge of of who Jesus is. We want you to join us in our fight against that which is evil. That which hurts people. Because ultimately there's a name for that and that's, that's sin. And the only way you can begin that battle is finding that forgiveness first within yourself. And the Bible says that that happens through faith. That happens through repentance. That happens through confession. And it happens through baptism. And if you have not declared Christ as your Lord and been immersed, we want to do that for you today. Or if you are a Christian and you feel that you're behind enemy lines, you're discouraged, you're hurting, you need prayers of healing. Whatever that need is, we want to help you today. So if you have any need, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.